Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. All right, let's go. Ladies uh, and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen to the Woke Blokes Podcast. It's the Whiskey Bravo Podcast today. I'm Nick Sutherland, the Sultan of Steel, joined as always by the Sultan of Strength, both inner and outer strength, Ryan. Oh, the gun show has it. Ah, I know. Wow. The pipes, the pipes I didn't realize I had tickets. Front row Sorry. tickets, one each, one, two. Yep, front row seats, Thank both you. of you. Privileged. Beautiful. Nico, Ooh. thanks for the introduction. I felt a weight off my shoulders <laughs> not having to do the intro. I was able to, I know what you feel like just sitting back here, just going, oh. Introduce me. Talk to me. Talk to me about and, my gun. I haven't finished intro yet because I'd like okay. to to both Ryan and our guest Dan and all the listeners that we are officially. I've done the research. We're officially the number one, the number one lived experience mental health podcast on the southeast region of Melbourne. Woo! Dun, dun, dun. I think we're right the between the one. goals, mate. I think we're the only one, but... Um, I think we're number two what? in Finland as well. We are number two in Finland for sure. Definitely. Wow. Yeah. Accolades. Accolades, bro. I know. I, well, I, I, once again, the ego didn't jump up. I was, I was saying it to us before. What was I saying? About? Oh, we reached a 1,000 um, followers on, on Instagram. MindFit did. And when it... When it oh, my goodness. Said, someone's, you know, someone's added you as a friend or whatever or followed you. And I, I was like, oh, and I was looking at my profile. I'm like, oh, that's a thousand. The ego, the ego didn't even blip on the radar. I'm like, come on, wake up, you bastard. This, this is we're meant to we're meant to have some adrenaline rush or something right now, apparently. But oh yeah. Nothing. That might be a good place, place, the door, place, good place to kick off. Cause I, I reckon that's an interesting topic, you know, that whole you know, because I've had that as well, Nick, where there's little like milestones that you tick off. And in the past, you're like, I would have been like, yeah, let's go celebrate. You're a fucking hero. But now <laughs> it's like that, that, that thing isn't there. It's kind of, um, it's like neither good or, or bad. It's kind of this equanimous just, ego that's like, meh. That was just, it was replaced with this, this deep sense of peace. And it was so much, it wasn't, it wasn't the dopamine hit you know, the, the, the instant gratification or anything. It was just this very internal, deep sense of peace. Like, oh, mm. I, I don't mm-hmm. need to have a reaction right now. This is, this is wonderful. And, mm-hmm. and it lasts longer. How's so. your ego, Dan? Um, I, I must say that I don't really uh, notice many of those ticks either. I don't kind of... Um, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like when something happens and other people around you go, "Oh, that's that's really great." You know, you're really good. And um, and one of one of those stories, I don't think it was big in my household. That kind of um, got a rise to something. I mean, you know, do good, do the best you can. Because uh, similarly with my brother, he's uh, he's a sound engineer, does a lot of TV shows, and he's been uh, nominated for a lot of awards. And and similarly. Um, I don't think he even really realised it. He didn't really mention it to anybody. And then somebody, somebody in the family um, mentioned, oh, Joel, you know, you've been nominated for these awards. And he was like, oh, oh, I guess that's all right. You know, and it's kind of, uh, I was like, mate, where's the ego? Where's the cover? Like, 
just didn't even register. So, so I guess maybe a bit genes, maybe a bit conditioning, um, a bit this, that, and the other. But um, I also think it's interesting when I'm interested in your guys' experience when you're meditating. You know, your sense of where you're putting um, the focus of your awareness. Um, and I certainly, you know, you feel this awareness expanding often at times. But then you can you can notice too the locale of your sense of self can actually move around. Have you guys noticed that? Oh, yeah. I, I must have been meditating in my sleep last night. Oh, I was I was meditating on an astral plane. I was doing something because I, I woke up. I came back into consciousness this morning with a very profound experience of being of not only hearing my heart beating but but being in the heartbeat and being oh, in wow. the, being in the space between the heartbeat it was i think i start i must have started in my ear canal or something but but you know it's not just not just that faint or when you got a headache not that throbbing noise but actually in it and then move mm. all the way down into it was it was the the clarity of, of that experience was amazing. I was just like, mm -hmm. that's unreal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I've, I've played with it a bit as well. I did some work with a lady for about 12 weeks. Shout out to Leonora from Embodied Truth. And a lot of the work is what you're talking about, Dan. We were really playing with that, that sense of I or that sense of self or that where the, where the witness is sitting. And it was really interesting because it was kind of my, my witness would kind of be behind my head here somewhere but as we started to do different work throughout the weeks it would start to shift and one of the big things kind of ties into what you said nick is i would have these experiences could be my heartbeat could be something in my stomach could be a sensation somewhere else but i would be looking at it from that place of the the witness behind my head and then eventually I was, as i was doing this work she was helping me go instead of looking at it from back there can you take your awareness to there and be in there and that was just a massively different experience to me because instead of looking at things, you're like right where that sensation is. It's like with mm -hmm. Ram Dass. I've been, I've, I think I've been listening to too much Ram Dass lately. I got home singing Krishna, Hare Krishna last night. <laughs> Walked in and Emma and the kids are just like, what the fuck? And I'm like, Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. <laughs> anyway, so and, and Ram Dass was talking about Are you going to change your name, Nick? No. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Das Krishna. Nick Das Krishna. <laughs> um, Nick, Nick Nadas? In the meditation podcast. Nick Nadas. <laughs> he was talking about um, uh, yeah, meditating and the Vipassana meditation. So, and on the last day of the, the 10 day Vipassana meditation, we're instructed to pass our awareness like a, like a rock from the outside of our, our head and our temple, through the temple, through the, the the head and out the other temple. And that takes about an hour to do, and it feels real weird. It feels like um, you're getting surgery or something, but someone's numbed it. You can feel it, but there's no, no pain or discomfort or anything associated with it. But Ram Dust was talking about this meditation, and, and you can meditate observing a candle and and just all of a sudden uh, you, you're experiencing the shifting of the, the candle and the flame, but then all of a sudden you are the flame. And so you, you stop witnessing and you become, and it's this 
you know, this oneness. He said something wonderful. He goes, well, there's no such thing as soulmates. There's no plural because we're all one. There is just a soul. There is soulmate. We are soulmate. Mm. We are we are the one. A soulmate. Yeah. <laughs> My soul man. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah, we're talking about you know this this open awareness, isn't it? And a lot of studies have shown now if you want to get into a really nice meditative state as in have those brain waves lower from a high beta down into an alpha and even into a theta is we create this open awareness so our awareness starts to move you know from one location to many locations in the body to the whole body and then outside of the body and um, mm-hmm. that's a beautiful state to be and that's a meditation I actually used to take clients through a bit where we'd focus on the put attention on the different areas of the body so top of the head eyebrows would move through the whole body then encapsulate the whole body then move to outside the body the room the building the town and we'd eventually see how how aware we could be of of our surroundings hey dan do you uh, uh, as you're talking about the, the the different megahertz the levels of consciousness and we're dropping down so you got the beta alpha theta delta but the gamma is above them uh, and gamma is, is high. So when I was hyper aware, you know, 20 minutes to eat the orange and, and, and that, it took me three days to come down. It's, it's mm. you know, what, what's the, does anyone know? Because the, 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 we're talking about lowering the vibration, the frequency but then we get into gamma, which is this high state. So, mm-hmm. so what that that's the the transcendental experience. Oftentimes, is that gamma, and it, but it, it works. So, Dr. Joe Dispenza has done some great work measuring brainwave states, and he can kind of predict when someone's going to go into gamma and have this transcendental experience. But it's actually gamma will happen as you go down. So it's like you go down to a very yeah, yeah. So instead of up, you go down and eventually it goes such a slow brainwave that all of a sudden it shoots up into this gamma, which is massive amounts of energy. And whether you say, you know, that's you're downloading things or whatever it is, it's a mystical experience. But yeah, it's it's by going down that it somehow pings up to this high state. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you would think of it kind of being like this amount of peace you know that there there's stillness and peace that's resonating in a, in a frequency that you can actually hear those upper registers um one of the experiences that the buddha talks about um is that you know heavenly sounds one of his one of his uh, apprentices comes up and sort of says mendicants comes up and says oh i'm hearing heavenly sounds and he says oh yeah oh yeah heavenly sounds um and to me um, and I'll loop back to this, but um, I, I noticed that when you're very still, you can hear this high frequency humming. Um, and I think different traditions have different words for that, different concepts, you know, there's kind of, and the way you guys are talking about plunging down and going back up, the Kundalini rising and all these sort of uh, different ways of mapping it, the transcendent experience, um, experience of no self. Um, and it's interesting that, that that seems to be a frequency that that's only that you can only notice when you're deeply peaceful. Um, but it's a very high frequency. Um, and I, it's interesting that, um, I think it's important to make reference to all those things and to also, um, because we're looping, we're talking about ego 
And it's important to loop back with all of these experiences. There's two sides to the coin. And we're talking about very much the everything side. I am everything. There is no me. There's just everything of which I'm a part. Um, and the flip side of that, which is the Advaita Vedanta side, which is I am nothing. And so what happens with the ego, the dissolving of, in the ego of I am everything, so you don't have this sense of, oh, that's amazing how incredible I am that, you know, I'm this God or I'm interconnected or I'm somehow different from everybody else is very much counterpointed with um, there is no self, I am nothingness, I'm beyond all experience. Um, and I think trying to kind of go for one and not the other or discount all experience for just I am nothingness, um, that can become nihilistic. Um, and I am everything, I'm so grand, I'm expansive, I'm incredible, can be, um, can end up um, disconnecting you from, from other people like I'm special or this kind of ego sense um, to it. And so um, holding those somehow in this uh, very, uh, you know, non-intuitive kind of understanding, it's like, how can I be everything and nothing? What are you talking about? The mind can't really make sense of that. No, the mind the mind uh, needs that duality to kind of properly grok what's being said. But yeah, but we're not, not the rational mind anyway. So that's just in existence for this chapter of our soul's life and whatever. Yeah. So yeah, that's far out, man. It is. It's it's like we're it's like we're diving into Ram Dass again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey! Can I? You, you brought up dreaming before, Nikki said you, you had your meditative dream. I had, I had a really cool experience last night with yeah, dreaming. If I did mention it, but if you've interpreted it as I spoke about my dream, then then that's wonderful. So, what happened? I, I had this dream. I think it was last night or the night before. Just the memory came up. But anyway, I was playing golf, and I had Tommy, my boy. Um, and he was just kind of walking along, but I was playing when I first got obsessed with golf, when the bug hit me when I was about 14 years old and I was a member at Croydon golf club where, where my dad was and I play like nearly every day. And um, I just knew that course back to front. And anyway, last night I played a bunch of holes of that course. And it was one of those dreams. It wasn't lucid as in I knew I was dreaming, but I was very in the experience. Like I noticed all the trees, the undulation of the, the greens and the fairways and everything. And that it was really cool because I played these few holes and enjoyed it. And my son was there, but like in reality, that course got demolished years ago and it's a housing estate now. So I could never actually go there and have that experience of playing, but I did in my dream. I think that's just that's just that's so amazing that, about dreams that we can do that. I did a similar thing in a, in a meditation. I, I played because I'd heard about the prisoner of war. Can't remember his name um, in Japan, and he played he played his home golf course over and over every day in his head. And so he wouldn't he kept, go crazy. Yeah, and they kept him sane. And then when he actually got home and recovered, he went out and shot the lights out. And, you know, played an amazing round of golf after not touching a golf club in five years or something. They're like, how did you do it? And he goes, I've played this course every day, sometimes three times a day for the last five years. And wow. so I played around with that in, in, the, in the meditation. And the next round that I went out, I, I lost my mind. And I was just, I focused on this breathing and just connecting with, I was just out by myself. There was no one else on the course. And I just... I've shot the absolute lights out without trying, without even thinking. It was just I was, I was 
yeah, I was just in in the tree. I was in the grass. I was in the air. I was in the, the everything. It was it was. Uh, I got in my car to drive home. I'm like, I'm not sure if I can drive home. I'm not sure if it's safe for me to drive. Oh home. yeah. I might drive drive through everything. Was, I'm drunk on God. I shouldn't be driving. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I wanted to to get your thoughts on on both of you. The, the Ram Das coined the phrase, "We're all just walking each other home," and and I love that. And I've been doing a lot of work with clients with, with that philosophy and. You know, for, spoiler it for everyone listening, none of us get out of this alive. Oh, <laughs> bullshit. Sorry, sorry. eternal. Spoilers. When did this happen? Yeah, who, des- who decided this? Is this the government? Is this part of the COVID restrictions? This is bullshit. Oh. It's, the ego doesn't get out of this alive. All right. Uh, death, death is just a disease. There's got to be a cure for it, Nick. Come yeah, on. The leading cause of death is birth. So <laughs> stop being born and you'll stop dying. We need a vaccine uh, for that, surely. <laughs> so uh, we're all in this conveyor belt. We're all going to tip off the end of it at some stage. So well, we can walk ourselves home a bit more gently. And when, when we're okay, we're in a position to walk others home. Uh, and an example of that is just tiny little things every day. And, and Oh, the clients that are listening, you know, they've, they've heard me talk about this, but for those that haven't, it's just like letting someone in in traffic. Just like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to let you in. And it's just um, we're walking each other home. We're all, we're all heading to the same space. Um, I had a client said the other day, and this is a beautiful example of it, he was at, at Vic Roads or somewhere um, registering his car, and this woman turned around with a big slushy and just spilt it all over him. And because he's been really focused on this and doing the work around this, he instantly, without any conscious thought, just went into his Buddha nature, into compassion and love. And he was like, are you okay? And that was his first question. And she was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. He's like, no, 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 we're okay, but are you okay? And and she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. He's like, okay, wonderful. And, And have a lovely day. And, you know, she was in suffering. She was embarrassed and feeling ashamed or whatever. And he didn't compound it. He didn't deepen that yeah. suffering for her. He, he alleviated a lot of her suffering by walking her home. And, yeah. and he said the feeling that he had for the rest of the day after coming to the awareness of, of, that he did that was, was, you know, so just so peaceful for him. Yeah. Yeah, I had a similar experience once, actually, now that you kind of, you bring up that that instance. And I think um, having something heightened happen can kind of uh, push you into that state, especially if you're doing some kind of practice or you're finding that space. When I was in um, high school and well, metal work, um, I had finished my work early while making kind of a, a steel box for a pencil case. And, um, and some of it involved punching and then drilling. And some of the sides, as you drilled them, you had to drill through multiple pieces of the, the plate steel. Yeah. So, yeah, remember that? So I'd done my box and I went over to help one of my um, classmates and wasn't really thinking and just kind of helping her. And, okay, this is what you got to do. Take that, take that, and blah, blah, blah. And... And I held, I squeezed together a couple of those pieces so she could drill through them. 
simultaneously and I punched them. And I said, just take that. Yep. And you just lift it up and drill it and whatever. And she started to drill and went off the side and into my finger. And similarly, I mean, yeah, shouldn't have your finger there. <laughs> exactly. First response. But, but I was kind of like, I immediately kind of um, was definitely separate from the experience of what was happening in my body, you know, and I was probably, it experienced a lot of pain very quickly. But interestingly, I think what drove it further is that she got so upset, you know, the blood kind of went everywhere and she just started shaking and crying and just like was really, um, you know, perturbed by the whole experience. And I just kind of, you know, just grabbed my hand and grabbed my finger or whatever. And I went, oh, are you, are you okay? Are you all right? And she was like, oh, my God, you know, and just totally freaking out. And I, and I kind of said, let's... look at them sometimes because it's, 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 um, it's the pattern interrupt. Yeah. And, and so they're all, oh, my God. And when you, when you turn around and say, are you okay? It's so outside <laughs> their frame of reference and what they're used to. They're like, oh, It's what? like they're, they're going to be angry at me and then they get the opposite. And they're like, Ooh. yes, <laughs> absolutely. I think it is partly fear that they're like, What's go- what is this other person going to do? What's yeah. going to happen? Well, they're going immediate um, fight flight. It's it's straight into anxiety. So, absolutely. Have you got one more house? Have you got a, have you got an example? Um, I'm trying to think. I just uh, I think in those moments, it's kind of a. You said we're all walking each other home, and we've been talking about everyone being one and connected and all that. And I think you kind of realize that when you do a selfless act or something that you don't have to for someone else, you realize you're kind of helping yourself as well. I think yeah. that's why it feels so good because it kind of reminds you of that. Hey, we're all in this shit together, even though there's fighting and there's hate and there's, you know, online rubbish and all this kind of stuff. At the end of the day, when we really connect with someone eye to eye in those moments, I think it, it does remind us that, hey, we're all in this together and we're all going to be okay. I said to Em last night, she had some things to do and she, she didn't have a great night's sleep. So I got up and did some things for her and she sent me a message later again. Oh my God. Thank you so much. You didn't have to do that. And I was like, uh, well, if you have that to do, I have that to do. So there is, I don't see it as me and you. I see it as we. So we have that to do. And she's like, oh, you've been listening to Ram Dass again, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's beautiful. I yeah. think that's beautiful, me. Because that, that reminds- often we do you go down. We kind of feel like, oh, I've got to be on top of my own stuff all the time. I've got to be so independent and self-sufficient and and this whole sense it isolates us um and i think what what what's often happening in modern life is it always felt like you know we was the tribe we was the collective we've got this to do we're Mm. all surviving we're doing this it wasn't like okay you go do the dishes and you do the laundry and you know oh you didn't do your task right but the, um, and, and the, the added bonus that was I didn't expect her to operate in the same model as I am. I, I am in the we model and, and that's working for me, but she doesn't have to be in the we model. She, I don't need her to think the same way as I'm thinking, which was a wonderful sense of peace as well. And being in that, Nick, you'd be more likely to draw into that space, interestingly, you know, rather than, rather than kind of like, oh, well, you know chatting about it and just like oh and trying to reach consensus you know it's just like holding that space for yourself 
What's and the having the clock thing has it's that it's that if someone's operating on that energetic level, then it's gonna other people are gonna oh, come into attunement. Yeah, come into attunement. Uh, it, it reminds me of a funny um, metaphor I heard about you know we we are all the one entity. So I am you, and you am I, and blah, blah, blah. and it's like if if. If, if the body's walking along and 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 the feet stumble and and the body falls over and the hands hit the pavement and 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 get grazes, the hands aren't going to then start yelling at the foot. You fucking idiot! Foot and start punching <laughs> because it instinctively knows that the foot is a part of the hand and vice versa. If it punches the foot, it's going to hurt itself. And we as humans have forgotten that if I hurt you, I'm hurting myself. So mm. we can look at it from that funny metaphor perspective and, and have a think about your partners or your kids or people driving past. If you yell at them and get angry at them, you're getting angry, you're yelling at yourself. Mm-hmm. And if your mind can grasp that and play around with that, uh, you know, throughout the day at times, and it, it's it's just it's so much fun when you look. Yeah, because we kind of know that intuitively. Because whenever we have those, and I've had them many times in my life, those real ego moments where you feel like you've won over someone, and mm. in that moment, the ego has this little bit of gratification. It's like, yeah, I did it, I won. But then, like a little bit later, you're sitting by yourself, and there's another part that's like, you didn't win. <laughs> this is, this is, this is not gratifying to the soul then but you don't realize see like no shut up shut up ego come back come back we win we win a good framework for me that's helped me is really what you've been talking about it's like we have this ego structure because i'm here to live ryan's life i'm not here to live nick's life or dan's life or anybody else's life um, that'd be boring if there was someone else the same as us, you know? So um, I have this ego structure that is formed by my unique experiences of life so I can live a unique life that no one's ever lived before and no one ever will. But at the same time, knowing that we're kind of all going back to the one place we came from the same place and we're all connected in that essence. And then you get, like Nick said, you can have fun with it. It's like a game. It's like I'm playing, I'm playing the Ryan character at the minute. And yeah, it gets a bit serious sometimes and a bit intense, but you've got to keep reminding yourself, hey, I'm here for a game. I'm here for an experience. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, we don't. And if you go come from that place, I find that I don't want to belittle other people. I don't want to get one up over other people. I just want to do my thing and, and, and love. And, and, all, and all, all of these traditions, you know, lead us towards uh, finding those spaces. Um, you know, there's practices in Stoicism, there's practices in in Taoism or Buddhism or any of the, the great traditions. Um, and, and you can use those type of things to creatively find um, what might be a fun practice in the moment. One thing I've been doing with my boys, because they're very much in that establishing themselves, you know, competitive and kind of be dominant. To, you know, learn what, what, what suit they're wearing. Gonna... Right, right. Yeah. How, and how that's, old are they and uh, nine and 12. Yep. And, um, and one thing, you know, but they're very, I mean, they're very suggestible. Kids are very open, you know, and, and if they feel like something's going to be fun or different or a new experience, most of the time they'll pick up on it. And, um, and rather than try and do, I, I, uh, I find myself, you know, I love to kind of go into this lecture mode and teaching mode and they're just like, 
<laughs> it's like you're like oh no i'm in teacher mode they have shut down and so i said how about we try and play the game we had this card kind of um game we we're playing i said how about every every time somebody else gets something really good we cheer and and you know and we celebrate their victory rather than feeling bad because this is the standard response somebody else wins i must be losing hmm. so i said how about we cheer each other and we'll each have our turn, turn of winning. We'll each, you know, it'll all go around. But how about when somebody else is winning, we say, that's great. Good on you. You won. Even though it's a competitive game, you know, and even though you're in opposition, kind of understanding that that other person winning is you win from that too. And that enjoying the game, we get to continue in enjoying the game rather than getting to the end of being like, I lost and I'm tantruming and I'm so upset and, and this kind of thing. Um, You're a terrible, and interestingly father, terrible that, father for programming and to be compassionate and in gratitude. <laughs> like, how dare you? Where do you get off parenting in that manner? It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's a really cool um, experiment, and um, and interestingly, I, I'm definitely all for the fact that when you do celebrate, encourage um, others, this is a natural place in which we can all find our own flow. Um, yeah. And so, even if you are, even if you feel like I'm a very selfish person, let's say that's part of your track. I want a lot of stuff from me. I want to win. I want all this. Um, there's a bit of a cheat there. You can say, you know what? The more I help others, the more they're prone to help me. Yeah. You know, and you can you can be a bit tri tricky with your ego. You can kind of you I, can I, cheat that, it a bit. Really do. We don't really do anything unless there's something in it for us. Even the act of giving, I'm going to feel good. So the yeah. ego is right. Enter all the time anyway. I'm going to go and, and work in a soup kitchen for a month and then just feed the poor, but I'm going to no. feel really good doing that. And so. I'll tell all the people <laughs> that I'm doing it and sound really good. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had a long discussion with my stepfather once about whether altruism is actually real, is, is possible. You yeah. know, and he was like, not possible. You're always trying to feed that little, I get a good sense, I help somebody. I did yeah. something good. But that's okay. Yeah. That's the yeah. thing. It's like, I'm doing it for myself, but it's helping other people as opposed to, well, I'm going to make myself feel good by belittling someone else. Then, you know, it's just, it's right. just being able to admit it and having a laugh at it. But what you're saying about having a shortcut, I had that with a, a client a little while ago who um, had this big vision, you know, helping people, empowering women who've been disempowered and all that. But yeah, had this thing that, oh, if I'm, I'm going to be selfish if I make all this money. Um, so guess what? Wasn't making much money. So it's like, well, let's just play it a little trick. And it's like, let's, we use this visualization where I'm like, what represents every, imagine all these women that need like the lights turned on, which means they're empowered and see this whole vast sea of women in front of you and you touching a few in the front row and lighting them up and then them touching a few and you empowering more and more women. The more money that you make is a direct representation of the amount of women you're lighting up and setting on fire. Then she's like, oh okay, I'm going to make a lot of money then. I'm like, yeah, you do. Because <laughs> a lot of women need to be empowered. So it's just these little, like, yeah. these little tricks, these little, you come in the back door kind of thing and, um, and, and get it going that way. Because so many people, especially in this, you know, helping, you know, spiritual, all this kind of crap, there's always this issue where, you know, being selfish is a bad thing. I'm like, selfish isn't a dirty word at all. We all should be selfish.
Mm-hmm. Well, looking after yourself is a form of selfishness. You know? Yeah, exactly. A, a mother saying, no, I'm, I'm going to go and have a massage. That's that's a, an act of selfishness, but it, it's important. And it's great for everybody in the family, though. Yeah, I, I'm selfish in that I only see a certain amount of clients a week because I need to, to look after myself and make sure I, I can turn up for and, and be the best I can be. So. Yeah, yep. interesting and the Buddha yeah. told a counterintuitive story like that. He sort of said, who's who's the most important person, you know, and everybody's like, oh, somebody else and giving and all this sort of stuff. He said, you're the most important person to you. I you're say the, that the, the first fundamental, Dan, you know, it's you are the most important person in the world because without you here, nothing else exists. So it's true. There's <laughs> no, the tree can fall in the forest, but if I'm not watching it. People would say, people would say, like, oh, yeah, the, oh, Buddha, but you're, you know, you're not selfish. Buddha left his family to go and become <laughs> enlightened. He abandoned them. <laughs> that's a big, that's a big one. Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, Dan, Dan uh, moonlights as a as a massage therapist. Right. So, um, and I've, I've what does that term mean? Moonlights? What is he's, he's as soon as the sun goes down and everything's Good dark, question. he sneak, sneaks out of the house with his massage table. Yeah, with his purple, purple light, soft purple light in the back end. Yeah. Skulking around, skulking around the streets only when it's a full moon. He's skulking around with his massage table, howling at the moon, giving massages. I think you guys have beautiful romantic imagery. I think it's simply, um, Probably just comes down to the fact that you don't quit your day job. You know, so don't quit your day job. All right. Your day job. That makes sense. Moonlighting. Do it at night. Do it in your off hours. And stop being so logical. Let us, let us be fantastic. Yeah, sorry. Way more boring. You guys were just like. The moon one. And the amazing howling of the moon. With the rose the in between his teeth. The haze and the stars and the moonlight. <laughs> Moonlighting simply means you haven't given up your day job. Oh. Oh wow! Anyway, where are you going with this, Nick? Yeah, you must be fun. <laughs> you must be fun at parties, Dan. Uh, <laughs> oh, boys, I believe it means you haven't given up your day job. In fact, you know, I happen to have googled it here, and it's affirming that that uh, assertion is correct. Just slowly back away with that drink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at that! Oh, oh someone, like, sorry, drink, someone's, drink. someone's calling my name. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Oh, so I, I went for a massage the other day and I, uh, I was just in a, in a shopping mall, um, in a, you know, one of those Chinese massage places, not super certain if they're qualified or what qualifications they have or anything. But anyway, this, this dude comes in after, it was, it was weird. It was like an initial consultation first, which is a bit different to, to how it's been in the past. And there's a new manager and she's a nurse from Singapore. So she had this very professional bedside manner. And she's like, oh, and where are you? Oh, yes, that's tight. And this is tight. And I just played a couple of rounds of golf. And she's like, oh, yes, that's, and what do you do for work? Oh, you sit all day. And okay, so that's going to, and I'm like, wow, this is quite thorough. Anyway, she, she hands me over to this dude and, and tells him what's going on. And he's like, okay. And he's getting into it. And I, I started noticing something I haven't noticed. I've only noticed in one other therapist. And, and I, I just instinctively had the thought, this man is a healer. And he doesn't know he's a healer. And I felt him work with my body instead of against it. And, and it was a really amazing experience because he, it was like he tuned into my body. And 
he, you know, a lot of masseuses will just kind of get in there and elbows and body slams and suplexes and flip you around. And, and this dude is just like, no, okay, the body's reacting to that. It doesn't like that. So I'm going to back off a little bit and I'm going to go over here. And he just, he just worked at that level. And I, I walked and I felt sick. I felt sick in my stomach afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I wasn't alarmed at it on a deep level. I thought he's, he's released some trauma in some of those muscles. He's released some toxins and gut health is linked to mental health and blah, blah, blah. And, and I just I wondered what's happening within my systems right now. And this is okay to feel this way. This isn't a bad thing or a negative experience. This is just necessary. And yeah, I know. I've never, I'm going back today. And I've just, I've never had uh sort of that deep of an experience in in, in massage that's awesome i completely uh agree with your your read on that nick that's very much how i see it and and flowing with the body and the release of the toxins and any trauma or any emotional holding you know people will cry during a massage um it happens surprisingly more than you'd think um and and that's a release the body's releasing in lots of different ways and well, it's being looked after. It's being cared for. It's it's being heard and listened to and acknowledged and validated. And so and it really made me think about the way that I work with people. I said, and I, I had the thought while I was laying on the table. Like, this is this is how I work with with people and their their feelings. And this this man's doing it on a physical plane, but I do it on an emotional, psychological plane. But it's it's you know, I, yeah. I can't come up against their trauma, and I don't. You know, it's just you're working very gently with it and it can be multi-layered and blah, blah, blah. Um, but, yeah, it's just that, yeah, and, and tears come out in, in session a lot. And when people feel vulnerable, I had a, a client turn up the other day and he sat down and I just looked at him and smiled and he burst into tears. And I'm like, yeah, I've really got to stop doing this to people. And and he, he, he was like, I've never, I can't remember the last time I cried. And I went, wonderful, just keep going. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, just keep going. This is wonderful. Let it out. Yeah. Yeah. And it was was so nice for my body to have that same experience. Yeah, we, um, yeah, yeah, what you said, Dan, look, because we, I get a lot of referrals and people who've been to massage and because we do hold a lot of, you know, traumatic imprints and energy in the fascia. And and a lot of people Mm -hmm. have, um, you know, been for a massage and go, yeah, there's, touched on one spot and I just flop tears, memories coming up, all of that kind of thing. And I'll try and, you know, in session, get people to, you know, if they're noticing a tender areas, put their own hand on there and start to work it. And because all of this stuff's interconnected at the end of the day. I cried yeah. when I started, when I started Pilates for the first time, my first Pilates session, 18 years after I did my knee. And I just, I was holding a pink one and a half kilo dumbbell and she just asked me to lift it up. And I did that about four times, and then I just started having this emotional release. And I'm like, "Why am I crying?" She's like, "I, I don't know." Yeah. And she, she had no idea. And I'm like, looking at this pink dumbbell, one and a half kilos, looking at me covered in tattoos and XR. It was such a surreal experience. But I luckily I knew what was happening on some level, and just kept going. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was amazing. Well, I think uh, that's. That's too why, you know, making mindfulness and awareness the the foundation of any therapy, uh, whether it be, 
you know, physical or mental or emotional, whatever you want to say, where you're not bringing a level of judgment, you're not bringing, the mind's not thinking it has to fill in the gaps for you. Or it's mm. like, well, you know, why is this happening? Well, the mind loves to answer questions that are unanswerable. It says, oh, I'll tell you why you're crying. It's this, that, or the other. I'll create any meaning you like. You can have whichever one you like. But, but being like, oh, well, I'm crying. I'm crying. I'm having this experience. Mm. And, um, and some overlap there that I thought I have a history in performing arts. Um, and something that occurred to me very young with performing arts is that you savor, you very much enjoy the experience of whatever character that you're playing. So you're playing somebody evil, somebody who does horrible things that you would never do, but you savor that experience. You're not there judging the character. You're not there being like, in fact, you're trying to get into the headset of how would somebody do this? And I can enjoy and appreciate this experience that I'll never have in the real world because I'll never get to behave like this. But I can very much loosen those judgments and I can just allow this experience and savor it for what it is. And that's very similar to mindfulness. It's like, I'm not looking at making a judgment. I'm just being peaceful and equanimous. I'm crying now and we'll save it this. I was surprised this morning when I looked up, I looked up the definition for uh, pathos and poignancy. And both of those words to me had this, you know, they could have a variety of connotations, but I thought that they could very much be on the positive uh, spectrum of deep feeling. You know, oh, this has a sense of pathos. This has poignancy. It means a lot. Pathos and pathology, yeah. Interesting, of course. Now that you say it, that makes a lot of sense. And both of those definitions had a negative connotation, you know. Um, And I was kind of like, well, where's the... Where's the word that means depth of feeling with, with joy or with savor or with I'm just feeling deeply about this because it's important, it has meaning, it, it, bear, it, had, it carries great weight because uh, I often feel that great weight of, of, and I wouldn't say I was feeling blissful or I was feeling, you know, amazing and joyous and all this sort of stuff. I would just feel deeply like this life is amazing. This world. Oh, here we go. Uh, Confused, surprised, despair, happy. So lift up the happy side. I want to lift it up a bit. Accept and powerful. Hopeful, sensitive, playful. It sounds like you're feeling content, though. What's that? It sounds like you're feeling content. Or I love the... I love... um, (laughs) Liberated. When we talk to clients mm. about, you know, they're, they're in distortion often when they're in suffering and they're heightened, they're in spaghetti brain or, or in distortion. And, and when they come to a deep sense of clarity, it's just they have a liberated mind, a mind free of mm. distortions. And, and so mm. they're like in that Buddha nature, in the Buddha state, they're, they're seeing the reality of what is. They're seeing things mm. so clearly without any judgment or bias or attachments or anything like that. So it's just a very deep, liberated, freeing, contented peace. It's just that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe there's a maybe there's a new word in there somewhere. You know, Shakespeare used to make up words. Beyonce's made up words. 
It happens. What's you know? made up? Uh, bootylicious. Oh, <laughs> were you feeling bootylicious? It's in the dictionary. Is that really? <laughs> I was oh, reading this book. I was reading one of, um, <laughs> is it uh, Philip Shepard? He's why, why it's quite deep stuff. And he's come up with a number of words where he's like, hmm, there wasn't a word for this. So I took these two words and this is the, you know, this is the origins, like Nick quickly said about pathos and pathology. It's like, oh, I took that word, you know, and I mixed it with this other one because there wasn't really a word. And there you go. Use it if you like, you know. That's your homework, Dan, to, to come up with the word for how you're feeling. All right. All right. I think it's probably some poignancy, but um, yeah, some some deep joy, appreciation of feeling. Yeah, yeah I think it's it's a hard one because I think I get where you're going because there's this, like we said, a deep appreciation of feeling because it doesn't have to be for me, you know, joy or all that kind of stuff or peace. Even in in moments of sadness or feelings of grief, it's like I'm feeling this deeply and I'm not drowning in it, but it's it's okay yeah. to be here. Yeah, but I'm just, I'm, whatever yeah. I'm feeling, whatever I'm experiencing, I'm giving it the full depth. And um, it doesn't yeah. have to be positive, negative, just whatever's arising. That's, that's, the, that's the liberated mind free of attachment. So here's, a, here's an interesting thought. What if we don't try and label it? Uh, yeah, we'll let go of the story. <laughs> nice. What if we just leave it? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's cool too. Or it can be delicious. It was called all bootylicious. How are you feeling? Just bootylicious all the time. Bootylicious. I, I love how we go from Buddha to bootylicious in about three sentences. It's Buddhalicious. Buddhalicious. Um, I was going to say, yeah, one thing that I've, we've been working with and we work with with quite a few students is this uh, anger. Or anger is this very, you know, intense feeling, oh, can be. Are we and just going to, sorry, sorry, Ryan, are we just going to leave that Buddhalicious without I was just like, come on. It's I'm like, I don't think you're ready for this anger. I don't think you're ready for this anger. I don't think you're ready for this drama because my body's so full, Buddhalicious. I mean, come on. That I've was great. A, I've already got a t-shirt line working in my head. I'm like, what delicious. I've got I want some royalties. Oh, I came oh, up with it. Oh, 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 so, on, that's it's about how, how do we how do we meet people on their level and introduce them to the Dharma on their level instead of forcing it upon them? We're gonna get it into pop culture. We're gonna to... borders right. booty. That's how we do it. That's the entry point. <laughs> I know what I'm doing tonight. Mm -hmm. I don't uh -huh. want to know. What are you doing tonight? I'm on Canva creating some borderlicious apparel. Trade market. Yeah, yep. delicious. Mind fit, but delicious. Yeah. Drink that in. Sorry, Ryan, I cut you off, but that no, was too I don't know, good. If, I don't know if anywhere I can go after that's going to add any value, to be honest. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've got to finish up because I've got to head off to um, speak on another podcast. And then. Oh, another, another one's a bit more. Oh, my God. Is it? I mean, yeah. 
I was going to say too, Nick, I've got two more lined up after this too. So yeah, I better get running. Oh you know, yeah. These, I'll just sit here. And all these appointments, all these podcasts. No one cares about white blokes anymore. Not even the co-host. Fucking hell. Both your egos just got triggered there. <laughs> <laughs> I was just making a factual statement, but your interpretation <laughs> of it were quite interesting. Yeah. I heard that you're going to talk on the number one, um, you know, podcast Finland for podcast. Uh, Finland, <laughs> Finland for uh, Helsinki you know, Radio, woke, Helsinki Drive Time, blokes. Helsinki, Helsinki Radio, <laughs> <laughs> Woke FM from Helsinki, Nick Sutherland. Uh-huh. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. All right then, bugger off then. Oh well, yep. you too, you, you too <laughs> carry on, but I'm out. I'll see you later. <laughs> God! Whoa! Bloody hell! The, the quick finish. The quick, what delicious. He's 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 known for the quick finish. He did. He rocked it, didn't he? <laughs> All right. Should we call it a show, Dan? What should we do? That was lovely. Lovely, you know? mate. Lovely to see you again. It's lovely to see you, mate. It was lovely. Until yeah, we'll, the next time. Until next time, I'll press stop here. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that chat. We'll see you all next week. Peace out. Thank you for tuning into the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five star rating. We thank you so much, and we'll see you all next time.